Hi, this is Felix Cavalieri of The Rascals. You're listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast with Robert Miller. Enjoy. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream podcast with listeners in 192 countries. I'm Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is Alan Hewitt, a fantastic musician. He was a co-producer of Earth, Wind & Fire, and he's been the keyboardist for the Moody Blues for the last 10 years. And he's also the musical director for John Lodge of the Moody's. He's worked on numerous films and TV programs, and his band, Alan Hewitt and One Nation, plays a fusion of rock, jazz, and prog. And in the middle of this episode, like I do with all my musician guests, we are going to do a song fest. And this time it's going to be a little bit different because I've asked Alan to name a handful of songs that are his favorites, and they're not necessarily songs that he played on, But we're going to play a little bit of them, and we're going to talk about them. And nobody else does this in podcasts. And my featured song in this episode, and you know by now that in every episode, I feature one of my songs underneath the introduction and at the end. And in this episode, I've chosen the song Cannonball, which I wrote and recorded back in the mid-1990s with the Robert Miller Group. And like Alan... I'm a big fan of jazz fusion, and this song was inspired by some of the great fusion artists of that era, like Weather Report, Chick Corea, and Herbie Hancock. So, Alan Hewitt, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast, baby. Hey, Robert. Great intro. Listen, you're a great musician. I got to give you a great intro, okay? (laughs) Well, it's good. That's the way it works. That's good So I have to tell you, you know, you're playing with the Moody's and my favorite song by the Moody's was actually their first single from the mid 1960s. Go now. With Denny Lane on vocals, Denny Lane, who went on to play with Paul McCartney and Wings. Now, I don't know whether the current iteration of the Moody Blues goes back that far to play a song like that, but I thought that was a tremendous song. It actually doesn't. Yeah, no, it is. It's a great song. It, it was, uh, I forgot who it was written by, but it was. A, um, I think Denny Lane wrote the song. No, no, it was an RB artist. R&B oh, okay. Artist. Yeah, and they, they did a redo of it. Back then, the Moody Blues were kind of, they considered themselves an R&B band. In England, they called themselves R&B. Was, <laughs> right. you know, but uh, none of the guys, except, well, Graham and Ray were in that particular version of the band, and Mike Pinder. So Justin and John had not joined them yet. Right. They came in later. Yeah. So when Denny left, those two, those two guys came in, and it totally, they totally changed what, 
the way they were going to go. They just started writing their own stuff. Right. But Danny was um, with us at the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Oh, really? Yeah. So cool. he was there too. Yeah. So it was nice. Listen, he had a great voice. You know, I I the so I love the song. I did not know it was a cover. So interesting. I didn't either. The guy they I found that out later too, because it no. sounds like something that would they would do. You know, didn't it? Oh, totally. And you know, I just had I just interviewed Felix Cavalieri from the Rascals. Okay, yeah. and um, he told me something again I never knew that "Good Lovin'" was a cover. Yep, I found that out when I was on an interview with him. I mean, who knew that, right? Um, no, because it sounded so original, and I just never knew that. Yeah. So um, you've had an incredible career. Let's go back to kind of uh, when you were a young man, because I like to ask this, you know, this question. This show is called Follow Your Dream. Was it your dream to be a musician? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, my first dream was to be a baseball player. Okay. Because my dad had um, played on the farm team for the Yankees. Really good for him. And of course, we all grew all my brothers. We all grew up baseball players and sports, you know, so but. Around age 12, I just really got involved in music. And I think he had fun with it too, because see, you know, I play bars, but I couldn't play there without a, a supervisor. So my dad would go with me and- uh, You were chaperoned, huh? Yeah, so I, you know, I, think he, I think he really enjoyed it. And he saw, hey, well, maybe this is kind of cool, you know? So it was, uh, that's, how, that's how I started leaning toward music from that point on so you, your dad was in like the minor leagues for the yankees yeah. huh yeah all right were the yankees your favorite team then no well i i don't think i was at the point when he was playing i don't think i was uh i think i wasn't conceived yet oh. <laughs> <laughs> i was well, then you probably weren't a fan <laughs> yeah i was definitely a mistake so, but um he i don't know if you know some of these guys phil rizzuto sure um yeah and um Oh, there's some other name, you know. That he played with, you mean? Yeah, he. they were, well, going back, um, what happened is he got, he joined the service because this is during World War II. Right. And uh, he ended up playing on an aircraft carrier with Phil Rizzuto and, and um, some other big stars that I can't remember. They all were on this general's baseball team because the general <laughs> wanted to make a big deal. And so they would have baseball games on the on the aircraft carrier. Wow! And and, and that's how that. So if you hit a home run on the carrier, the ball went into the. Yeah, ocean, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time he came back, he was getting too old, and he hit, the family was starting to come along, and uh, so he couldn't never follow his dream on that one. All right. So you started playing when you were like a teenager, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Round 11. And you're playing in bars and clubs, but you weren't old enough to actually go in there on your own. Right. So you had a chaperone with your dad. I like that whole story, the whole scene yeah. there. Okay. <laughs> and you were playing rock and roll, I assume? Oh, yeah. Let's see. What was the big thing back then? The Beatles, of course, were the, the Beatles probably were the biggest thing back then. And then the Monkeys, I think. The Monkeys and the Beatles, you know. Did, you do, did you do Monkeys cover songs? Oh yeah, Stepping Stone. <laughs> <laughs> Remember it well. We played it fifty times a day. I'm not your stepping stone. 
Yeah, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> you know, I, I actually read somewhere that one of the monkeys like was talking to John Lennon at one point and he was he, he was asking him whether or not they thought it was the, the, the monkeys were a joke. And Lennon said, no, you guys were the greatest thing since the Marx Brothers. So I, I think that made their day for sure. Yeah. All right. So you're playing in rock and roll cover bands. And where did it go from there? Tell us the transition. So I, I got uh, fired from my best friend's band. Uh, and that that's what kind of set my tone, because when that happens to me, I've got that kind of focus that I, okay, I'm not going to let this happen again. So um, what happened is the other drummer that came into town had a nicer drum set than I did. You know, when you're when you're that that age, it, that's the only thing that matters. So I just practiced and practiced. And finally, um, I got good enough where I started playing with the older guys. And that and then I really started growing. And um, along came this uh, guy with bushy red hair. And he was an excellent uh, keyboard player. And we started this group. We had a farmhouse and just rehearsed every day. And we were doing like, it was like Amherst Lake and Palmer, but we were doing Tchaikovsky and stuff like that and turning it into long rock pieces. <laughs> and I had this humongous drum set. I had two timpanis, vibes, marimba, two gongs, octoplus, which was an eight piece drum. <laughs> so it was all that whole thing, just like, you know, Carl Paul. You were playing Tchaikovsky Lake and Palmer. Yeah, huh? <laughs> exactly. So that's where everything grew. And from that point, I out, I kind of got to the point where I needed to get out of the small town that I, I was grew up in. Beautiful, but not too many avenues for success. So that's when I ended up going to Berkeley and uh, college music. Yeah. Now, when you were doing the Tchaikovsky Lake and Palmer stuff, was this during, you know, the, the, the Prague era? Because I know you got into Prague. Yes. You know, for me, Prague was was all about the band. Yes, I mean, what about you? Exactly. Yes, Emerson, Palmer, Genesis, and Gentle Giant. Okay. Those are the four biggies. And then PCM or PFM. Remember from Italy came along. Do you remember the Premiata Gloria Marconi? It was a, a kind of a Italian, I missed that one. Yeah, it was an Italian yes band. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's uh, and it's wild because I don't want to segue too much, but I what happened this last couple of years with John Lodge and his music director. So we went out with yes, Asia and Carl Palmer. So wow. Carl Palmer would have breakfast with every day. And I never really told him that he was my, you know, hero, but, uh, <laughs> but we had a great time going back and forth and stuff. So it was very um, surreal, that whole thing. You know, I remember I was a big Yes fan. Okay. I can't say that I listened to all the prog groups because I was more into jazz fusion, which we're yes, going to talk yeah. about. But when Roundabout came out, okay, and I'm a bass player. Yeah. And I'm listening to that bass line that uh, Squire played. And I'm saying to myself, is this from the planet Earth or is it from some other planet? But, it, you know, that's one of the, those iconic songs that just galvanized the, the, the country at that time. Oh, for sure. And that's probably I like the first record or I don't know if it was the first record, but, you know, the one with there's like a it's like a film clip. 
and it had Starship Trooper and all right. those those songs on it. So I like those too. And I'm actually friends with Tony, who was the first keyboard player. Um, so it's it's really neat. Yeah. Isn't it fun to be friends with the guys that you were listening to way back when? Yes, it is. You know, one of the great things about this podcast is that I'm meeting all of these guys, you know, not just guys like you, but, you know, guys that I grew up, again, kind of worshiping as a musician. Right. And it's so cool to be able to talk to them, you know, just person to person. And that's what makes it fun. And what's cool is that they're still going. That's right. They're all still And they going. still sound good. You know, so that's it's really neat. You know, some of the guys from that era, they blew out their voice or, you know, things happened and they're, they're just not the same. But there's right. a whole bunch of guys, particularly ones that I've had on this podcast that are just still doing it and doing it at that high, high level. Yeah, you're right. And yeah, I see them a lot of times and now I get blown away by it. It's pretty amazing. Awesome. Okay. So you're, you're having breakfast with Carl Palmer, which is cool. Um, who'd you have lunch and dinner with? No, I know that's okay. <laughs> um, and then you went to Berkeley, which is the music school in this country in Boston. Great, great music school. Yeah. I didn't go to Berkeley myself, but I played with a lot of guys that went to Berkeley and went to new England conservatory, which was kind of the other big music school in Boston. Right. And um, this was what in the, early 70s or so well late 70s late 70s yeah. Yeah. okay so tell me you got into the whole jazz fusion thing right it, well that was the reason for going i um returned forever was my uh, for people that don't know chick korean returned to forever and there was a couple iterations of it one was when he did light as a feather which or 500 miles high and more of a latin right. fuge and then went into the hard yeah progressive fusion and that's that's what i really like okay so you were more on the second third fourth album kind of thing for chick Corea. and for me light as a feather was like one of my desert island discs okay i do love that one oh too I, I really love that album i mean it was yeah. 19 year old uh, stanley clark and aerto morera on the drums yeah. and flora purim oh that was yeah yeah yep and alex acuna i think was the drummer then and 500 miles high that's all i still play it now it's just a great song and the song spain which is on that album yes. which you know chick has played <laughs> yeah all right but <laughs> you know the thing about fusion that i love because when i was in i was in boston from 68 to 73 and i was playing basically jazz fusion and for anybody who doesn't know there was a an a point in time when kind of rock and jazz merged together and I loved that point in time because it was the power of rock combined with the improvisation and the incredible playing of jazz. And you had all these great bands that came out of that, like Weather Report and Chick Corea's band and Herbie Hancock. And I just thought it was a magnificent sound. And, you know, I, 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 I tell this story a, a bunch of times, but I, I went one time to the Fillmore East and who was there? It was Miles Davis in his Bitches Brew era opening up for the Who. Okay, you don't see acts like that being put together anymore. And it was great for both bands because they were both playing to audiences that they would never otherwise be able to play to. And during that jazz fusion era, it was everywhere in the country. And I just thought it was magnificent. And obviously you did too. 
Yeah, I mean, it was on the radio station. You'd see, I mean, you'd hear Chuck Mangio and you'd hear uh, Birdland, you know, from Weather Report, or you'd hear, uh, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff that no way that it would be played in in this era. And and you're right. And that was what was cool about it that rock promoters were bringing those bands on, and it really that was really a cool era of music. I mean, there was so many interesting groups that uh, were just so inspiring totally. to listen to it speaking of weather report too so when i was at berkeley i was a drummer like i said and uh i my rehearsal partner many times was kenwood denard who was the drummer for weather report <laughs> now or was did you, he's not did you have lunch before. with him okay <laughs> no but, no we just bang we compared and that's that's kind of why i segued to keys because he was so far ahead of me because he, he was a senior and I was just coming in. And so I started really segueing toward composing and, and more that direction and playing. And I'd always kind of dabbled with keyboard. So I kind of just went in full force from that point on. So you went into Berkeley as a drummer, but you yeah. transitioned into a keyboard player. That's a tough transition, man. Yeah. <laughs> I played vibes too at Berkeley. So I did have some, you know, studying under Gary Burton and stuff. So I, I had, you know, I had the the knowledge of all that. And I always had a piano around the house, but I never really had formal, formal lessons or anything like that. Really? So it was, yeah, so it's interesting. So you became a world-class <laughs> keyboard player on your own. That <laughs> worked out. That's amazing. That's amazing. Okay. So when you left Berkeley, Tell us about the transition after that and how you've wound up with the Moody Blues and with Earth, Wind & Fire. I want to hear about that, too. Oh, yeah, it's, it's great. Um, basically, I probably knocked around for a few years and, and went on the road with, you know, you know how we all went on with the bands and we'd be out for a year or so. And I eventually moved to, did I move to California? I moved to California and, and got in a group there actually got signed to AM on a development deal and probably got dropped as fast as I got signed. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's where things started happening because I, uh, but I did get hooked up with a lot of people at AM. So uh, Vince Ely from the Psychedelic Furs happened to be dating uh, one of the Go-Go's. So I started writing for, with her and then, and working with um, Fee Waybill, uh, wrote some songs with Fee Waybill and some people from Heart and Eddie Money just got kind of I got in I got in the circuit thing and then eventually I finally started getting cuts and I got a cut with Donny Osmond and then I got a warrant I did Cherry Pie so I got that song and that came out and actually went quadruple platinum, triple platinum, one of those things. And that helped a lot to stimulate other people. Well, the guy must know something he's right. coming, you know, he's so that that's kind of, it just kind of slowly built its way into a career, I guess, what you call it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Where, where you can pay for your lodgings and you can pay for your food and all of that good stuff. Right. Yeah. Hi everybody. This is Robert Miller. My new single, All of the Time, is a playful, whimsical love song. It's light and airy 
and exudes the happiness and joy of being in love. The reviewers love it too. Melody Maker has given it five stars and calls it pure bliss, an intimate sound with abundant melodic riches. Pop Icon also gave it five stars and called it ecstasy. You can stream all of the time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, or any of the other streaming platforms. The links are in the show notes to this episode, and you can download it from the pgsstore.com. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast and give us a nice review too, if you're so inclined. You can do all of that and check out all of our episodes by visiting our website at followyourdreampodcast.com. I want to thank you for listening and keep on rocking. Let's transition now because I want to go into that second half of the interview where we do our song fest, which is to me the most fun part of everything. And you picked out some really interesting songs and it's going to cover your career as well. So we'll get the whole thing put together that way. But the first song that we're playing right now underneath is a song that you mentioned before. It's Birdland by Weather Report. So tell me, why did you pick that song? And what is it about that song that you love? Well, um, like we were talking um, about how it was accessible to, to the masses, that song somehow rang a bell with a lot of people. And, uh, and I, I thought it was great anyway. And I love Jaco Pistorius and I loved, I loved all the guys in, in the band. Zao and all, it was just, you know, I just love the way he, he did different harmonies that were unusual and stuff. So, so that was, that's why I think that, that I picked that song because I, I always liked it. And it was, I happened to be singing it that day in the car. So I go, Oh, that'd probably be a good one to pick. You know, when a song has become a standard, when I went to the big apple circus in New York city and they're playing Birdland as part of the circus. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that is cool. It was cool. And it's, you know, it's just one of those tracks that um, just magnificent, really. I completely agree with you. As soon as you said that you wanted to have us play Birdland, I said, yes, fine. Finally, somebody's yeah. got the same taste as me in music. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> All right. So let's go on to the second one. Now, you picked a song by Peter Gabriel called In Your Eyes. Tell us why you picked that song. Well, 
he's been another big influence because I, at one point, I really got into African influence music, mainly because of the percussion thing and, and the vibe of it. And then years later, I get asked to play with Peter. So this was supposed to be in 2018. And uh, his uh, agency called and said, uh, you know, we basically were ready to go. Uh, and But his wife had gotten a health issue. So that, that was the tour it was going to be with Sting, the second version of Rock, Paper, Scissors tour. Okay. So I had learned all the stuff and it was, it was really... That was a that was a really cool thing for me. I mean, too, because I just always loved the way that he, I love Genesis, but then I loved when he went solo too. So, was there anything in particular about this song that you loved? Well, the song is great. I just think it's a great song. I just think it's so optimistic and and uh, really gets to the heart of what what you're you know talking about to get to the soul and stuff. And, and it just the whole vibe of it's just great. I agree with you on that. Yeah. Okay. I wanted you to talk about your Earth, Wind, and Fire experience because the next song that we're hearing is one by Earth, Wind, and Fire. That's the way of the world. And uh, you worked with Maurice. So tell us about the whole situation there. Okay, so I started working with uh, Maurice first from Earth, Wind, and Fire. And what happened is I was brought in to do some programming on a uh, record that he was producing. And he really liked what I did. And so I started working more projects. And then finally, I just moved into their studio uh, in Santa Monica. And uh, so I had my studio is right next door to his office. And then there's the big studio. Um, so we would do all kinds of projects. You know, many of them were from Japan because he's just, I, he was idolized in Japan. And, and uh, so we did pretty much did all the Earth, Wind & Fire songs a lot over and over. <laughs> and they would, they would have their artists would sing them. And then I would work um, on different Earth, Wind & Fire projects that came along and, uh, Sometimes just doing one keyboard part, sometimes going in and helping doing uh, programming, you know, whatever needed to be done. Uh, my friend, Paul Klingberg, who's been their longtime mixer, was neat, too, because we all worked together on stuff. And then we like Jonathan Butler was a project that came in. He's a South African artist, just a great artist. And uh, so that's that's how that all came about and lasted for quite a long time. And uh, Maurice got parkinson's so it was getting difficult for him to work anymore right i mean he was the the heart and soul of that band for the longest time but the fact of the matter is that they've been able to succeed even without him for so many years afterwards oh yeah well verdine and and uh, philip and there are other i mean they're all ralph they're the mainstays with you know with maurice and then they've had so many different great musicians come through and like Sonny Emery, who I played with on my first um, Alan Hewitt and One Nation record. And they've had 
great and the musicians they have now are great too so it's it's a just a you know it's a great band yep. just you know and they play live it still sounds great yep yep i totally agree with you terrific band okay we're going to switch gears a little bit i threw in a herbie hancock song because i just love it chameleon was from his jazz fusion era you know when he had the big afro and he had the the keyboard that he wore around his neck i mean that was just a funky tune wasn't it yes and i would many times um i would play that on vibes with the uh, <laughs> yeah different different like um i can't remember i was on one of those jazz cruises and there was several several um artists playing and I'm drawing a blank, but they're all great. So I, all the spots, keyboard spots were taken up. So I said, I'll just play vibes. So I played vibes <laughs> and we would do that. You know, the thing about a Herbie Hancock, Chick Corea, these guys were so incredibly talented and they covered every type of music. I mean, from standards on the piano through you know, this this jazz fusion kind of stuff that they, they all did. I, I always found it remarkable just how multi-talented they were. Un, unbelievable. Yeah, it's like, how'd you do that? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and the fact that we lost uh, Chick Corea this year is just uh, one of those tragedies. I did an, an album during the pandemic uh, in a very different way than I've ever recorded before. It's all remotely uh, recorded so one of the songs that i wrote i have dedicated to chick I haven't released it yet but uh it had that kind of chick feel for me so oh i want to hear that <laughs> all right yeah all right all right all right okay so let's go on you know before i mentioned go now and it was playing a little bit as we were talking is there a moody blues song that you absolutely adore what's your favorite I'm putting you on the spot here, Alan. <laughs> yeah, I never answered that question. <laughs> all right, give me one that's um, in your top three. How's that? I like them all, to tell you the truth. But it just depends on what day, you know. Um, they're all, you know, of course, Nights is a great song. Because I love you. And so is Seesaw. And the voice is a, is a great song. Won't you take me back to school? I'm working on one right now that John did. It's called One More Time. 
and uh, more, one more time to live, and it's excellent. are so pertinent for today. I mean, it's, I was pretty much blown away by, it was just really, really nice how great the lyrics were. Those guys really have, a, they had, a, there was a, a, definitely a magic that came together when they, that band, because they're all different. They all do different things. None of them were exactly, you know, they, they were kind of opposites actually, to tell you the truth. You know, Justin kind of goes one way and John's more of the rocker guy and Ray was the surreal, mystical guy, Graham's animal on the drums. And Mike Pinder was this poet, very into meditation and a lot of all of the metaphysical things came from his point of view. So it was really neat. You got to give him credit. This is another band that's just been around forever. And it's so hard to stick around, you know, so many bands, you know, they have their era, right? You can go back and you can look at it. And you can say, okay, there was a beginning, a middle and an end. But for some bands that have just lasted, stood the test of time, it's, it's quite a tribute. Oh, it, it is. It's amazing. I, you know, you know, as going out as a solo artist and whatever, and like me, the you know, some of the guys, they go, well, you know, we aren't getting the same response. They are. Well, yeah, because we've been together six months. They've been together 60 years. I mean, it's and those fans back in that era are not just fans. They're part of the family. So they want to know everything about the artist. They want to know, you know, they feel like they're part of that thing. And that's part of their day to check on what they're doing. So, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. No, it does <laughs> not happen. You know, it's so interesting because I'm sure back in the day, none of these guys ever thought that this was going to last, you know, 50 years, much five years, you know, just they, they didn't think so. I remember reading this great quote from Ringo saying at the time when Beatlemania was in its heyday that, you know, he thought it would get another year and then he'd go open a hairdressing place or something yeah. like that. <laughs> well, I wonder how he's doing with that. <laughs> when I got the call to do the Moody's, it was, uh, it was, this was back in the end of 2009 and it was, uh, it was going to be for 18 months. And, you know, it's 12 years later. So, so long I 18 mean, months. <laughs> and, and it's funny because that's, it's just, they, I don't think anybody ever knows, well, when's this ride going to stop? You know, it's just, I guess they expect that, but it doesn't stop. It keeps going. Well, <laughs> amazing. Good for them. Okay. So let's move on to uh, this group called Alan Hewitt and One Nation. And we're <laughs> listening to Volt.
because I dug that song when you sent it to me. So tell us a little bit about the band and tell us about the song. And you got the album out. So tell us about that, too. Well, thanks for mentioning it. Um, that is the second. This is the second album, the second Alan Hewitt in One Nation. First one was Evolution. I had guys like Jamie Glazer, Sonny Emery, J.V. Collier from Bruce Hornsby. And, and Jamie was from Chick Corea's uh, electric band. And then Duffy King was also on that. So this new version had Duffy King and Billy Ashball from the Moody Blues. He's the newest drummer. And also uh, David C. Johnson from the Neville Brothers. So we kept it down to four. And I wanted to do this as a band. The other one was pretty much I had written all the stuff and, and sent it out and did that. But this one I wanted to do a little bit more organically and we still had to do it because it was done done during the pandemic. So I did do a lot of the writing and and put it together and but everybody did their part like and it was great. It really added a nice chemistry to it. We've been talking with Alan Hewitt, a fantastic drummer and keyboard player even though he may not play the drums anymore. I'm sure he's he won't play the drums anymore. <laughs> and I'll bet he's still good on the drums. I don't know about that. And he <laughs> plays with the Moody Blues, and he's got Alan Hewitt and One Nation. And everybody, go out and buy his album and go to see him in concert. Alan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Robert. Great seeing you. Keep it up. All right. We are now going to listen to the song that I started with. It's my song called Cannonball, which I wrote again in the mid-'90s. And if truth be told, I named it because... Joe Zawinol from Weather Report started playing with Cannonball Adderley. So that was my connection. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you on the next episode of the Follow Your Dream podcast. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com.